Hello, and welcome to Quick Hits, a podcast brought to you by Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting in Ottawa, Canada. I'm your host, Phil Gursky, President of Borealis, and in today's episode, I want to talk about the national security implications of COVID-19, the coronavirus. All of us in Canada and around the world are, of course, worried about where this pandemic is going to go, how many people will be affected, how many will be very, very sick, how many, in fact, may die. And as the information is changing on, on an hourly, if, if not a daily basis, we're all wondering what to do next. So most of us are practicing social distancing, self-isolation, etc. And as hard as that is, it's the right thing to do. But this is a podcast on terrorism, and I want to look at the national security slash public safety implications of the COVID-19. I think there are several in this regard. I put out a short blog the other day saying that ISIS, the Islamic State terrorist group, has in fact warned its fighters not to travel to areas where COVID-19 is endemic. So that's interesting. A terrorist group which likes to kill people and torture people is warning its own fighters not to go to countries where the virus is in fact present. Does that mean we're going to see less terrorism? Uh, Possibly. I wouldn't put my money on it. But it is interesting nonetheless when a terrorist group makes this decision. I think there are two other implications for national security stemming from the COVID outbreak. The first is that while a lot of government departments and private enterprise is encouraging people to work from home, and that's a good thing because it prevents spread of the virus, there are several sectors that cannot work from home, and one of those is law enforcement and security intelligence. I was having coffee with a friend from CSE, Communications Security Establishment, Canada's Signals Intelligence Organization, last week, and she told me that there's plans in place to maybe reduce the workforce at this time, but you simply can't shut down. You can't have people work on sensitive class 5 material from their homes, but they'll do what they can. What this means, though, is that if, in fact, we were to reduce the numbers of people working in security intelligence or in law enforcement, for that matter, that means we have fewer people on the ground, fewer people doing investigations, fewer people collecting, processing, and analyzing intelligence which means that we could in fact have gaps in our coverage of people who wish to do us harm, be those terrorists, be those criminal figures or whatever. The fact remains is that when your watchers are operating in a reduced environment, the bad guys have more room to operate. I haven't seen any statistics that support an increase in crime as of as of the COVID virus. Yeah, there have been some reports of hoarding and things like that, but no looting and no civil disobedience, at least not that I've seen. If you've seen something, I'd love to to hear from you. So that's one possibility. I think the more important and the more dangerous possibility is the role of social media and messaging when it comes to what is COVID, where is it going, and what can we do about it. I was in conversation yesterday with a few colleagues from the United States in a conference call in which they told me that they're already seeing messaging online. And this is a group of people that are looking at online fora. And in some of these online forums, you're seeing people talk about how this is actually a government spread virus, how this is a, a deep state plan, how there's some kind of you know, secret, I don't know, uh, cabal of international players who are behind COVID to weaken us all. And of course, in a country like the United States, which in which we all know that guns are for everywhere and for everyone, there is a real concern that some people who are already prone to conspiracy theories will take this information, decide that the end times are coming. This is a a constant trope in a lot of far-right white nationalist beliefs and ideologies is that somehow 
we are reaching the apocalypse and that every person has to defend him or herself and their families from the big bad government. And so you're seeing people take the law into their own hands. I've also seen reference to some people who believe that COVID, in fact, was either a Chinese bioweapon or an American bioweapon. The CIA was behind it. The Jews were behind it. The typical enemies that these people look for. A lot of anti-Semitism. We're also seeing people talk about the need to close our borders. And that may or may not be an effective strategy to limit the spread of COVID. I would, I've argued in an, in an article in the Ottawa Citizen the other day that, in fact, that horse has left that barn, i.e. people are already here with the virus and it's spreading within the community. So it's not merely linked to foreign travel. The day to stop foreign travel was three months ago, not, not three days ago. Others would disagree with me and say that, you know, we should stop foreign travel to prevent uh, more infection. And maybe they've got a point. But what's interesting is that people on the far right, the white nationalists, the neo-Nazis, are simply using this as one more bullet, if I can use that analogy, to rail against immigration. They already hate immigrants. They think immigrants are evil. They are particularly Islamophobic. As I mentioned, they're highly anti-Semitic. They think that all immigration is wrong. They believe in this so-called grand remplacement, the great replacement theory, where they're convinced that refugees and immigrants are taking over our way of life. They're going to change our societies. They're going to make us do things we don't want to do. And of course, you throw in George Soros, the international philanthropist, into the mix, you know, the, the sort of the Jew that's heading all this kind of stuff. It does worry me then that people are talking about immigration with respect to the COVID-19 outbreak. This simply feeds this conspiracy theory and it emboldens these people. What I'm worried about in the days and weeks to come, depending on how long this lasts, depending on how long the virus continues to spread, depending on how long we are forced into social distancing and self-isolation, and perhaps, God forbid, one day into actual quarantine, if we start to see some indications that this is going to go on for the long term, there are those who will not just continue to, to hoard food, but there will be those that will make raids on grocery stores. And there are those that are going to have this information feed into their apocalyptic views that the end of days is coming and that they have to, as I said, hunker down and defend themselves against the enemy, which of course is the state. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, there is some indication that this messaging is out there. On social media, it's being spread. And as we know, when you get messaging like this in in the 21st century, it is truly viral, if I you know, use that term, in the sense that it spreads like wildfire. And it's almost impossible to stop. We saw with the attacks in Christchurch a year ago that despite the fact that the video that was produced by the terrorist while he was shooting people in those mosques, he posted it online, it was taken down immediately, it is still out there a year later. So it's impossible to actually eradicate this stuff completely. What we have to do as a society is several fold. First and foremost, we have to stop spreading disinformation about COVID-19. We have to stop spreading irresponsible and unreliable sources like Facebook, like Twitter, like 4chan. If you can't identify the source of the information, don't spread it. Do not pass it on. Do not share it. Secondly, I think that we have to, when we see egregious efforts to put out information that is completely wrong, we have to shut it down. We have to go online and say, this is wrong. Do not share it. This is false information. This is disinformation. Whether it's from you know states like Russia or whatever, whether it's from conspiracy groups or people like Alex Jones, who is an, is an absolutely terrible jerk when it comes to spreading false information, we have a responsibility as citizens to not buy into it and more, furthermore, to make sure our friends and family don't buy into it either. 
this is what we need to do as Canadians, as international citizens. This is a serious situation, and we have to nip this disinformation in the bud before it leads people to take very, very violent action. I hope I'm exaggerating. I hope we don't come across events like this in, in, the, in the weeks and months to come. I have a great deal of faith in, in human nature. I'm noticing that even here in Ottawa and in Canada, a lot of people are volunteering to help those who are in greater danger from corona. This is a great thing. It's a great humanitarian thing to do. And maybe this podcast in the end will not amount to anything. I, let's hope so. That's it for this podcast. Let me know what you think. You can reach me on email, borealisrisk at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter at borealisaves, on LinkedIn, or on Facebook. If you want, you can subscribe to all the content available on Borealis Threat and Risk. Simply go to my website, www.borealisthreatenedrisk.com. Hit the subscribe button, fill in your information. You'll get all the podcasts, all the Today in Terrorism, all the perspectives, all the information that I put out on a daily basis will come to your inbox free of charge on a daily basis. I'd love to hear from you. Let, let me know what you think of this podcast. Give me ideas for future ones. I'll talk to you again soon. Until then, stay safe.